Well, today I want to uh, I want to start a series and, and set the groundwork for a series about who we are as a church, right? Many of you guys have been here for a long time. Maybe you've heard kind of the history behind our church and why we do what we do. But many of you are new, and so I often try to uh, preach a series, what I would say is a vision series that kind of helps cast the vision for who we are and why we do what we do. And you say, well, why do you do that? Well, here's why. When people understand who you are, they can either support it or, you know, move on, right? I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. They can either get behind it and say, yeah, this is who I am. This is who God wants me to be. And then they can, we can become unified. And so today I, I want to start a series called Thousand Hills Code. And it talks about our Thousand Hills Code. You may not know, you know, what this is, but in the next few weeks, you're going to get to learn what all this is. It's actually, the subtitle is Values We Ride By for Fulfilling Our Purpose. Here's the thing. One of the coolest things that I love um, getting is when I receive a compliment about our church. How many of you guys have ever received a compliment about our church? Anybody? All right, great. A few of you guys have, but I, I get to the pleasure of receiving some great compliments. I mean, there are people that come up to me and they say, hey, Bo, I, I've never been to a church that was so welcoming. Anybody ever felt welcomed at Thousand Hills? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know of anybody that's ever said, yeah, you know what? I didn't feel welcome there. Not once. In six, going on seven years, I've never heard somebody say, I just didn't feel welcome there. Amen. That's a great thing. Many churches struggle, again, with maybe feeling, you know, making people feel welcome. And so we, we are blessed to be able to, to do that. The other thing that I hear is I love the music, right? I love the music. I mean, you guys, you know that we're talented in our church. And we have a lot of great talent. And God has blessed us with, you know, some, some great musicians. But more importantly, people with great hearts that love Jesus, right? And so I, I love hearing that. And, you know, our ranch kids ministry, it's picking up. I mean, you don't know how many times my kids have said and just, the past few weeks, man, we love our new space. We love it that we get to meet up there because they can be, you know, loud and they can, you know, play music and they play games and have small groups and all that fun stuff. That, again, is something that we're blessed to have. Um, you know, and, and, and this maybe doesn't happen in every church, but, you know, I hear people say, you know, church is actually fun. It's fun. I mean, I, you, I don't know if you feel weird about having fun at church. Maybe you grew up in a traditional church where it was like, you know, and, and you just kind of, you know, again, it wasn't so fun. I, I've learned this, that, that God wants us to enjoy him. Amen. I'm telling you, this is something that people miss. And this is one of our values that we're going to talk about in our code is that we enjoy the ride. Why would you not want to enjoy the ride? I mean, if Christianity is so good, if God is so good, why would you not want to enjoy him? And so I hear compliments all the time. Man, our church is actually fun. But you don't take yourself so seriously. You can make a joke about yourself. You talk about making out all the time. I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? And so that people are like, you know, you, we actually had fun. We actually enjoyed church at Thousand Hills. You know, or, or here's the thing that I enjoy as well. People say, you know what, Bo, when you speak... You know, it, the Lord, it feels like you're talking just to me. And that's one of the greatest compliments that I can get. Because sometimes I feel like I'm talking to the wall. 
<laughs> because it's you guys are, you know, dead. And it's like crickets, crickets in here sometimes. And, and so, again, when I hear people say, man, I felt like you were just talking straight to me. It's usually, and I'll be honest with you, it's usually the message that I feel the worst about. It's like, I stuck today. And then everybody's like, man, you changed my life. The Lord changed my life. And I'm like, what? And it, and it just reminds me that it's not about me, right? It's about what the Lord does. And uh, so I enjoy that as well. But, and, and I love hearing all those things. But here's what, here's what you may wonder. Maybe you've never wondered uh, about this. And this is the question. How, how did we create all of these great things? You may never ask that question, but here's the truth. We ask it all the time. As leaders of our church, we ask, how do, how do we create this, this thing? How do we create this? And since day one, whether we really knew it or not, and I wasn't smart enough to maybe know this until later on, we have been intentionally, intentionally creating what we've called, or what we call now, is a value-driven culture. Okay? A value-driven culture. And you say, well, what is a value-driven culture? Well, here's the, here's the fact. Whether you have a church or whether you have a ranch or whether you have a business, whatever it is, a lot of these things that I'm going to talk about today are going to apply to you. Okay? But here's what a value-driven culture is. A value-driven culture is a healthy culture that is driven by what an organization of values let me say it again. It's a healthy, driven culture, or a healthy culture that is driven by what an organization values. And here's the thing. I can walk into all kinds of businesses and I can tell you what they value by just walking in the door. Anybody? Just like you can walk into a church and you go, what do these people value? You, and you're going to get a glimpse of that today. I'll give you an example of this. I went to, how, or let me start by saying this. How many of you guys change your own oil in your vehicles? Raise your hand. You guys are the special people. Lapana, I'm so proud of you. Was she the only woman? Yeah, see? But some of you guys, yeah, how many guys do not and have never changed the oil in your own vehicles? Yeah, don't be ashamed. I'm in, I'm in this club. I'm in this club. You know, here's the thing. I, you know, again, could I change my own oil? Sure. Could it, you know, could I save a little money? Maybe. Maybe not. But anyways, so here's what I, I've done for all, all my career. I've taken my trucks or, you know, cars to get their oil changed. Well, I went to a great oil change garage just this past week. Um, and, and here's the thing. I went by it one time and I won't tell you what it is unless it slips. But anyways, I went by it one time. It was like right at six o'clock or right before six o'clock. I pulled in there cause I, it's new. And I said, Hey, what time do you guys close? And they said, well, Hey, you know, if you want an oil change or actually I said, uh, I first said, do you, do you do diesels? And they said, absolutely. And I said, well, what time do you close? They said, you know, six o'clock. And they said, but here's the deal. If you come at six, don't worry about it. We'll take you. If you come right at six, we'll take you. So I thought that's cool. Um, even though it's, it's kind of wrong to do that to some businesses because you, you know, they want to go home too, but at least they're willing to stick around for some business. I like that. I like that, that he offered that. Well, the next day I go to their grand opening. Okay. And I show up at the grand opening and here's the thing I want to, I want to describe to you and you're going to get this. This is a value driven culture. I walk up or I drive up and I pull it, I pull up, I roll my window down. They meet me at the door with a smile and they say, Hey, welcome to you know, this shop. And, and they say, you know, how, what, what kind of, uh, you know, oil do you normally use? And I said, well, I don't have a clue. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're like, do you know if it's 1050 or 1450? And I'm like, no, I don't have a clue. That's a radio station, 1450 AM. 
<laughs> so anyways, I, you know, so they asked me what I wanted, and I said, I don't know, whatever, you know, normally you do. And they say, okay, here's your two options. They showed me my two options. They said, this is what it's going to cost. This is the price difference. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I'll take the cheaper one. T- save 10 bucks, right? And so they, they came to my door, they smiled, they told me, you know, the options, the options weren't like 75 different options, there was two options, they told me what it was going to cost, and, and again, they took my vehicle with a smile, and they took it in, and then I got to sit down, I actually had my laptop with me, I was working on my message, I wanted to finalize some things, and so I took my laptop into the waiting area, you know, and the waiting area is nice, it's obviously new, and I bring my charger in, and they're like, hey, you want to charge that in, and I said, yeah, I plugged it in, I was able to sit there and work on my computer, a guy comes out and says, hey, here's your oil filter, and I was like, or air filter, or what, I don't, not oil filter, it was an air filter, see, I don't have a clue, it was one of those little, you know, accordion looking things, don't act like you're, you're, don't act like you're, you know all about this too, but anyway, so he brought it to me, it was black, and and he said, do you want to change this, because this will help your engine obviously run better, and I said, absolutely. So he came and said, hey, we're almost done with your, you know, your, your truck. Uh, we're going to wash it out. We're going to vacuum it out. We're going to wash your windows. We're going to, you know, do all these things. And, and, and he gave me a report. And then they offered me a pork sandwich. <laughs> a pork sandwich. I was like, this is the bomb, dude. I mean, I'm like, I'm going to come here just for lunch. You know, and so they offered me a pork sandwich. They got done in probably less than 30 minutes, which is a miracle. Amen. Anybody ever been to a place where you sit there for like, you know, five hours? And, and so here's the thing. I, I left out of there, paid, I left. I left out of there knowing exactly what they valued. You know, oh, here, I'll describe it. Good communication. They had it. Uh, you know, nice, clean shop. Timely service. Informative. I mean, they were very informative. They, they were hospitable. They did an extra effort by, you know, vacuuming. If they vacuum out your car, I mean, that's worth an extra hundred bucks. You know what I'm saying? Because our cars were nasty, you know. We got three kids. But anyway, so I, all those things, the extra effort. And, and here's, what I, here's what I noticed when I got in my vehicle. You ready? You know the little tag they put in your window? On their tag, they had one simple phrase. That wrapped everything up. It said, less hassle, more hustle. (laughs) It wrapped it all up right there in a small phrase. Less hassle, more hustle. And can I just tell you, this shop hit the nail on the head. You say, Bo, what does this have to do with the church? What does this have to do with me or Jesus or any of that? Here's what I believe. I believe that to have a great church, you have to have a value-driven culture. A value-driven culture. Um, And so today I want to share with you some truths that I've learned about having a value-driven culture. And how it is... has and continues to benefit our church. Here's number one. Here's the point. Value-driven cultures don't happen by accident. Those of you that own businesses, you know that you have to continually, with your employees, continually say, this is who we are, this is what we're about, this is what we're going to do, this is how I want you to do this. I mean, you have to work at it. it. It's not. It doesn't happen by accident. You actually have to create it. And so here's the thing, that feeling that you have when you come to Thousand Hills, the love that you feel, the sense of belonging and acceptance that you have at Thousand Hills, guess what? It hasn't happened by accident. It's been created. It's been intentional. We've worked our butts off 
to try to make sure that that's the way that you feel when you come to our church. Psalm 9017, listen to the words of of the psalmist. It, It says this, it says, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish, establish the work of what? Our hands for us, yes, establish the work of our hands. Here's the point of that. You say, well, what's the point of that? Well, if here's the thing. If you want to have the favor of the Lord, then it depends on you doing your part. Whose hands? Our hands. Again, so you say, well, how do you get the favor of the Lord? Well, you do your part. The fact is this, a healthy thriving, God-honoring church doesn't happen by accident. It is created. And that's why we work so hard. That's why we sweat. That's why we go through and we train people to the best of our ability. And that's why we have a thousand hills code. How many of you guys got one when you walked in? Raise it up right here. Let me see it. Yeah. Thousand Hills Code. Many of you guys, you're, you're wondering, why is it pink on one side and brown on the other? Well, we did that because when we have a men's event, we obviously have the brown side up. When we have a women's event, the pink side up. They're identical. So there's no difference between what's on the front and what's on the back. But that's this is our code that we ride by. And, you know, obviously we want people to come to our church and worship with us. We want our staff to enjoy their job. We want our culture to be one that you you just can't put your finger on it, but you like it. Amen? Isn't that what we want church to be? I I know it's what we want to be. And again, so here's the thing. Value-driven cultures don't happen by accident. They are created. Here's another benefit of having a value-driven culture and what we try to do here at Thousand Hills. The second is this. Our values build the foundation for our ministry. What we value builds the foundation for our ministry. I have a horse. You Many of you guys have seen him. Uh, he was younger back then when I brought him in here, but his name's Hiccup. Anybody remember Hiccup? Yeah, a little, you know, two-year-old colt. He's actually three going on four now. I actually took him to our friend Barry Clower, who's preached for us before, you know, announces our ranch rodeos. His son, Coy, is riding Hiccup for me. He's ridden him for 90 days now. He's got another, you know, probably 60 days that he's going to ride this horse. And you say, well, why do you send it to them? Well, again, I don't have time to, you know, spend that much time in, in many days in a row and all that stuff. But here's, here's what I do. Here's why I do that. I want a, I want a strong foundation. On that horse. Because here's why. One of these days I'm going to take him into the Brandon pen. And there's going to be a lot of people around. And there's going to be a fire there. There's going to be shots all around. There's going to be people and kids and all this stuff. And I want that horse to have a good foundation. So that when the pressure is turned on. Guess what? He doesn't blow up. It's the same way in the church. I want our church. And God wants our church to have a firm foundation. So that when the pressure turns on. Guess what? We don't blow up. So many churches don't have a value-driven culture and don't know why they do what they do. They're just kind of going through the motions. And because of that, when all hell breaks loose, guess what? They blow up. They begin to lean a little bit. The cracks start showing because the foundation of the church is not set. I'll give you an example of this. Listen to the words of Jesus himself. Because here's the truth. The foundation, guess what? It starts... And ends with Jesus. Amen? Let me say it again so you guys can respond great, better. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know, but see, never mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that alone. But but let me say it again. Our our, our foundation starts and ends with Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's what it's all about. Listen to his own words. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is what? Wise. Wise. Like a person who builds a house on? Solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is... Foolish, like a person who builds his house on sand. And when the rain and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Here's what I learned daily. The church has to be built not on me, not on any of us, but on Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one that's going to last. <laughs> You know, one of these days I'm going to die. I'm going to you know, probably be in Providence Place. <laughs> Olivia is going to take care of me because she works there. But anyways, so, but, but I'm just telling you, our foundation is found in Jesus Christ. And you're going to learn more about that because that's one of our values. And, but here's the other side of it. Don't only, not only do we say, oh, okay, so we're built on, you know, our foundation is built on Christ. And we go, amen, and that's it. No, listen. When you realize that your foundation is built on Christ, guess what? He begins to define for you what that looks like even more. And he begins to give you a specific calling to a specific people group or whatever it is or community. And he, he gives you that specific calling on how, and he shows you how he wants you to reach the world. And that is why we've written the Thousand Hills Code. Because many people say, yeah, our foundation is Jesus. Well, what does that look like? How do I do that? Well, that's why we have a code. And, and so, you know, it, so that's where our code comes from. So the second thing is this. Our values build the foundation for our ministry. Here's the third thing. Our values help shape our minds, our attitudes, our words, and our actions. And our actions. Because here's the thing. For us to be effective at what God has called us to do, guess what? We must be unified. And a value-driven culture helps unify our minds, our attitudes, our words, and our actions. Because here's the truth. When we understand who God wants us to be, then we can move forward and go make a difference. Are you with me? Listen to James chapter 1, verses uh, 21 and 22. It says this. So get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives. And humbly what? Accept the word of God, or the word God has planted in your hearts, for it is the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you'll be just fooling yourselves. You see what God says here? He says, guess what? I've planted a word in your soul. I've planted it there. I, I planted a purpose. I planted values in your hearts. And you were called to humbly accept it. But here's where people end. They, go, they, they accept it and then they don't do anything about it. Are you with me? That's why the verse ends with, don't just listen to God's word. Don't just accept it. Actually do something about it. I'll give you an example. Um, when we started the church, right? God was, you know, laying it on our hearts as a family to start the Cowboy Church and get this thing started. 
God gave me a vision, uh, not you know, not that I really saw, but that he just wanted me to write down, a lot, like you know the writers of the Bible, and he just said, here's what I want you to be about, here's your purpose statement, here's you know some things that I want you to be about. I wrote those things down, but here's the thing. If I had never, and my family had never accepted that into our hearts, like the Bible says, that he that what he wanted to plant in our hearts, and then actually stepped out and said, we're gonna we're gonna quit a, a job that only you know that pays our bills. We're gonna move out of a house and not know where we're gonna live. We're gonna have a baby <laughs> without having a home to live in. All those things. Here's the thing: if we, if if we would have not accepted his word. And actually done something about it, we wouldn't have a church that we have today. It's the same true for our church. If you hear the things that we're about, you say, well, you know, what are our values and, you know, uh, what does that, you know, have to do with me? Well, here's the thing. If you don't accept it and then start doing something about it, then it's pointless, right? It's ineffective. And so our values they help shape how we think. They help shape you know, how we respond and what we do. Here's a, here's a statement that you may want to write down because it'll apply to any area of your life whether you have a business or not. It's this. What, you, or what we value helps determine what we do. What you value in your family will help determine what you do in your family. What you value in your business will determine what you do in your business. If you value being organized, then it's going to show in how neat your facility is. If you value being conservative, then it's going to show in your budget. Again, it should determine what you do, not just what you say. Here's another way to put it. What we are doing determines what we value. See, it's one one thing to say that we value this, but it's another thing to actually do it. And you say, well, what are we doing? Well, one of the things that, that, that we ride by, and this is a code that we're going to talk about in the next week or so, is we ride for the unchurch. You say, what does that mean? Well, we ride for, we ride for those people that feel far from God and feel like they don't, they're not accepted in, in God's kingdom. And so what we do or what we don't do shows whether we truly value that or not. And you say, what do we do? Well, we have ranch rodeos instead of Christian concerts. Christian concerts are great. We just, again, we've not done those. We may do one of those later on. But if you value, you know, having unchurched people in your church, then you're going to do something that, that is a part of their culture, a part of what they do every day, because they're going to be attracted to that. And then through that, then you can what? Lead them to the Lord. And so if we value unchurched people, we're going to do that. We have barrel racing, bull riding. And again, instead of concert, Christian stuff, you know, concerts or whatever, we, we do those things. You know, we sing country songs in our, in our church gatherings. Again, not every church does that. Why? Why do we do that? Because people that come into our church for the first time, they're thinking, weird. They're thinking, weird. But when they hear a Wayland song that, you know, I don't think Hank did it this way, guess what they do? I've said it before, they go, oh, this is fun. I like this. And then what? We've got their attention. And then what? We can preach the word of God to them. And then what? They can give their lives to Jesus. And then what? Then they can spend eternity in heaven. Because we tore down a religious barrier and we played a wailing song. See? When you understand it, then you go, oh, yeah, so that's why they do that. We don't, and you say, well, that's the things that we do. You know, we don't, we don't advertise on Christian radio. 
We don't. I mean, Christian radio is great. I'll listen to it. But we don't advertise there because we're trying to reach unchurched people. So we advertise on country radio, rock, whatever it is, secular radio. Um, again, that's intentional. That's a part of who we are. You say, well, those are the things you do. What do you not do? We don't pass an offering plate. Again, so many people are like, well, you just want my money. You just want my money. You just want my money. We don't pass an offering plate. You have an option to give. You really don't have an option to give because God tells us all to give, but you have an option to give and be seen, <laughs> you know. And so we don't pass an offering plate. You know, we, we say, come as you are. I wear a cowboy hat. You get to wear your ball cap in church. Amen. Amen. I mean, so many people don't get to do that, right? And so we tore down some religious barriers that keep people out. We don't use churchy words, or I try not to. And if I do use a churchy word, I try to explain it. Because so many people don't understand Christianese. They don't. I mean, when you walk in here, I'm sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. They're like, holy crap, where's the blood? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just telling you, so we don't do that because why? We value unchurched people. We're trying to reach them, trying to increase the population of heaven. And so here's the thing. Our right value should result in right actions. And here's a side note. You can say, well, how do you guys do business? And how does it happen so quickly? When I make a phone call, how do you get this, you know, this thing done that I've asked so quickly? Here's why. Because people understand what our values are. Because Jackie understands she helps us with our benevolence because she understands that we are a generous church. When someone calls in need, we don't go, let's have a meeting. Let's talk about it. No, we just say, how much money we got? How much money they need? Is it legit? We do our due diligence. We make sure it's all you know, on the up and up. And then we give like that. We can pay a bill like that. We can meet a need like that. We can get them whatever they need like that. You know why? Because people like Jackie and every one of our other team leaders, they understand what we value, and we're not going to be stingy with God's money. We're not a savings and loan company. We're not going to hoard a bunch of money and die with money in the bank. We're going to spend every dime. You know why? Because we ride to be generous. So you can do things quicker when you understand uh, the values of our church. So that's number three. Our values help shape our minds, our words, attitudes, and our actions. And here's the last one. Our values help keep us focused. Many of you guys own a business and you're like, man, can I just keep people focused? Well, if you have a value-driven culture, it's easier because you can just go, will you go read that, <laughs> that value, you know, that's on the wall? Because that's, that's what I want you to be. And when you ever have questions, just read that, you know, uh, and so it helps keep us focused. Listen to Philippians uh, chapter 3, verses 12 and, or through 14. It says this, I don't mean to say, and Paul's talking here, the writer of the scripture, he says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I what? I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved this, but I what? Let's say it together. I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You say, well, what's the point of that? Well, here's the truth. I, I have ADD. And, you know, because I have ADD, I can get distracted really quick. But because I have 
certain things in my life that I plan, it helps me stay on focus. Because we have at our church a value-driven culture, we know kind of we know where we're headed, we know what direction we're going in, and I can stay focused, and our church can stay focused. Listen, the same is true for the church. If we don't define our values, we will not stay focused. Are you with me? Here's what else I've learned. If everything's important, then nothing's important. Oh, everything's important. Everything. Let's just do everything. Let's just do everything. Let's do it all. No. God has called us to you know, specifically reach people in a certain way. And if we just do everything, then nothing ever gets done. Right? Because we're just about doing everything. So we've got to have a focus. In the, and again, verse 14 says, you know, what the focus should be is to reach the end of the spiritual race and receive the prize that God has for us. So, by having and knowing what we value, we can stay focused, we can press on, and we can receive the prize that Christ has in store for us. Now, here's the thing. I'm excited about the next few weeks because we're going to roll through our code together. And you're going you're to get a, a good glimpse of what we do and why we do it. But I want to end with this. You say, why, why do we work so hard to create and ride by the Thousand Hills Code? Why do we do that? Well, here's the, here's the answer. Because people's eternity depend upon it. <laughs> this, you, you may... I may put on a good front and make you feel like this job is easy, but it's not easy. I mean, those of you that serve, you know that this job is not easy, but it's worth it. You know why? Because people's lives are being changed. Why do we go through all the hard work of creating values? Why do we preach about it? Why do we do all this stuff? It's because we we want to see people come to know Jesus Christ. Amen? We want to, the good news of Jesus that is open to everybody, we want them to hear the good news of Jesus and be changed forever. We want to bring glory to God. We want to give Jesus the respect and the honor that He deserves. So we are committed to ride by the values that God has planted in our hearts. And here's the thing, I'm asking each of you, to join me. Amen. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second. Some of you guys are here for the first time. I'm glad because you're getting to hear, again, the heart behind what we do. And you say, Bo, but but what does this have to do with me personally? What what does this have to do with me in in a spiritual sense? Well, It has everything to do with you. You know why? Because this building isn't the church. You are. Each of you that know Jesus, you're the church. And so for you to know what we value as a church and to be able to get on board with it, listen, you're going to make an eternal difference in somebody's life. You're going to help us be able to reach the lost and dying world. You're going to help us to be able to meet the needs of others. You're going to help us to to love and forgive our brothers so that they can see Jesus in you and I. 
And to do this most effectively, guess what? You need to understand what this church values. You need to understand what God has called this church to do, your church to do. And so maybe you you need to personalize it. and, And maybe you need to answer this question. What are you doing personally that says that you value what God has planted in the heart of Thousand Hills? What are you doing personally? Are you serving because you believe in the values? Or or, or, are you giving your time? Are you praying for the church daily? Praying for the leaders daily? Are you giving your tithe? What you do, guess what? Says more about what you value than what you say. And so maybe you need to ask yourself, do I really value the Thousand Hills Code? And many of you guys don't know what it is yet, but after a few weeks, hopefully you're going to be able to look at yourself and go, you know what? I don't necessarily value what they value. And can I just tell you, that's okay. That's the other great part about understanding what you what a church values is you can say, you know what, I don't really value that. And you can go somewhere else and you can begin to, you know, be with people that you value what they value and you become more effective. And so listen, we're not trying to run you off. We're trying to help you understand who we are and why we do what we do so that you can make a choice and be in God's will one way or the other. And we're going to support you 100% no matter if you choose to stay here or go somewhere else where you value what they value. But here's the other side. If you do value what we value, then here's the next question. What are three things that you can do personally to help show the world what Thousand Hills values? What are three things, and think about this, pray about this. Decide, make a commitment to do at least three things personally to help show the world what we value here at Thousand Hills. You say, give me some examples. Well, it may be that you join a team. You say, what teams do we have? Look on our website, thousandhillsranch.church. There's sign-up sheets and there's all kinds of descriptions on our, on our information table right at the front door. You can find it there. Every team that we have, you can find a description about what they do and, and what difference they're making. So you say, well, what can I do personally? Join a team. Maybe you need to start tithing. I mean, you, you think, well, we don't have any bills to pay. Well, we do. We have bills to pay. We have salaries of four or five staff that we try to pay. And, you know, we're trying to build a new facility. And so your tithe does go to make a, a, a eternal difference. And so maybe you need to show personally that you value what we value by giving your tithe. Maybe you just need to begin to share with other people your love for Jesus. And then tell them, you know what? Here's how I grow even more in my walk. I go to church. And the church I go to is Thousand Hills. And I love it. So maybe you need to commit to personally inviting people to church. So that they can experience what you experience every week. Again, we have join me cards that you can grab at the, the info table that have a, you know, uh, all the information about our church on a business card. has an align on it that you can write your name on, your phone number on, and give it to anybody that you want to invite. And say to them, hey, I'll save you a seat. 
If you come, call me, text me. I'll save you a seat. Again, maybe that's what you need to commit to. Maybe your prayer needs to be something like this today. Lord, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of an amazing church. Lord, I pray that that whatever you want for me to do, show me. Show me what you want me to value. and Show me the values of this church so that I can get on board. Show me how to live by the Thousand Hills code that this church has. And use me. Use me to grow your church and to see lives changed. Again, maybe you just need to pray that commitment today. I hope that you will. Some of you are here today and maybe you're, you're, you're that unchurched person. You don't have a clue what we're talking about. You know, you've never given your life to Jesus. Well, can I tell you that you haven't maybe made the most important decision that you've ever made in your life. And that is to know Jesus. And guess what? You can do that today. It's not about joining Thousand Hills and becoming a member. It's about joining the kingdom of God and God's, you know, God's church by giving your heart to Jesus. And so maybe you're here today and you've never done that. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sin, come into your life and live inside of you. Listen, you can do that today. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you'll confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God rose from the dead, you will be saved. And you say, what does that mean? Well, it just, it's simple. If you confess Him as your Lord and Savior, in other words, you pray and you say, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that on that Easter Sunday, you did rise from the dead. And I need you to forgive me of my sin and come into my life. Listen, it's just as simple as that. Simple as that prayer. So maybe you need to pray that prayer in your life today. So that you can begin to start a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Telling you it's the most important decision you'll ever make. And if you have questions about it, we have the answers. And we want to help you. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. Wes and Jill are going to come. They're going to make some closing announcements. And we're going to be dismissed. But I hope that you'll be here for the next few weeks as we talk about what God has called us to do. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to share your vision for our church. Your vision for your church. And Lord, today I pray that each person in this room would commit to do at least three things personally. To show that they value what you have called this church to value. Lord, may we not just be about saying what we value, but may we be about doing what we value. And so thank you, Lord, for all the amazing people that are already serving, that are already committed, that are already on board, that are serving faithfully in the church, giving a tithe, whatever it is, Lord, I thank you for them. Because they're they're in. They're in it to win it. They've bought in to your vision for this church. And you're making a difference through them. And so I thank you. Lord, help others to do that, to commit to do that today. And may we be a church that brings you honor and glory. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen.